0: Hey, I wanna ask you a real quick question. How many of you have ever used kind of that old phrasing or that old adage, uh, the proof is in the pudding? Anybody ever said that, the proof is in the pudding? Typically when we say that, we're calling for evidence. Man, I want proof, right? And the proof is in the pudding. What you may not realize is that's not how that statement actually originated. It's kind of evolved into that uh, as it made its way westward here in America over the last hundred years or so. It's kind of morphed into this idea of the proof is in the pudding. I'm calling for evidence. But the old saying is, is, uh, is from the old English culture. And in that context, what the statement actually was is the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. The proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So it wasn't really about evidence at all. It was about a test. It was about testing something, and uh, and again in that old English context, it said the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Now uh, another real interesting little side note about that old adage, that old phrase, is that pudding in that old English context wasn't the sweet dessert that we think of today. Pudding was the filling that was made of ground meat, spices, and sometimes rice that they would put in a form of casing. Many times it was some type of intestine. And uh, really it's boudin is what that old thing is referring to. And so what it's saying is, is that the proof of the boudin is in the tasting. Sign me up, right? I mean, I could give an altar call now is what I could do uh, because we're all gonna sign up for that. The proof of the boudin, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So again, what this originally called for, it called for a test. What's interesting is that God said in Psalm 34, verse eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. I wish I could get somebody to help me out here this morning. God's been good to you. Anybody, God's been, been good to you. You You put his promises to the test and he proved himself trustworthy and and you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. Now here's the great thing, kind of going back to that old... English phrase. The great thing is, is that when we test the things of God and we give God an opportunity to prove himself for us, the evidence will always be the result of it. It starts with a test, but it's always going to end up with great, great, great evidence. Look at me. I came to church to tell you, God longs to prove himself to you. He longs to prove himself and he actually longs to prove himself with distinction within your life. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Israel and how Israel came out from under Egyptian bondage. God sent a deliverer named Moses and told the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, let my people go. And when he refused, God brought judgment on Egypt until they relented and allowed Israel uh, to to, uh, leave that bondage they had known uh, toward their promised land. Now, Here's what's interesting. In that judgment that was poured out on Egypt, I'm talking about stuff like locusts and plagues and and hailstorms and frogs. Listen, in all of that, every Egyptian home was affected, but not one Israelite home was affected because God proves himself with distinction. Can I tell you one more time? God wants to prove himself with distinction in your life in this day and time. He really longs to do that. So taste and see that the Lord is good. So let's get this message series kicked off with this observation. Proof is generated by two things. Proof is generated by our rejection of this fallen world and our reception of God's perfect will. Proving God comes down to two things. Number one, rejecting the fallen world and what it wants to spoon feed you. Anybody listening to what I'm telling you today? Proving God starts with rejecting what this fallen world wants to spoon feed you. And then receiving God's will into your life is what ultimately proves what God has promised you. Proof is generated by rejection and by reception. Rejection and reception. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't taste what it's offering you. Don't take in. Don't receive what this world is offering you. Reject it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That you may what? That you may prove what is the good, well-pleasing, and perfect will of God. You do that by rejecting and by receiving. Now listen to me. Uh, Every once in a while, I'll get a friend request on social media that I know immediately they are not a friend. The way I know it, and I look at several things. One of the things I always look for is do we have any mutual friends? But I get thousands of friend requests and I've rejected many of them and I can almost right away tell by the picture associated with the account. Usually it's some woman scantily clanned, uh, scantily uh, clothed and, and I know right away This is the devil trying to take me down, and I immediately hit the reject button, immediately hit that reject button, right? Now, through the years, again, I've received thousands of great friends on social media that I've gotten so much benefit from, but I've rejected others, and really and truly, the Christian faith comes down to that. It comes down to what we reject and what we receive. We've got to reject the things of this fallen world. We've got to receive the good pleasing, perfect will of God into our lives. He said, taste it, taste it and see that indeed he is good. Indeed he is who he said he is. Listen to James chapter four, verse four. Unfaithful people, the Bible says, don't you know that to be the world's friend means to be God's enemy? Wow. To be the world's friend means to be God's enemy. If you want to be the world's friend, you make yourself God's enemy. Now, let me make a real quick disclaimer. What God is saying here, what God isn't saying, he isn't saying don't be friendly to people that don't know Christ. He isn't saying don't be kind to them, don't be loving. Uh, He's not saying don't uh, introduce his love to them. He's not saying that at all. Certainly, he wants us doing all that. He's simply saying we can't have fellowship with this world. We can't embrace what this world embraces without making ourselves an enemy of God. And it's so important to recognize that what you reject and what you received is really what faith comes down to. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through verse 17, where the Bible says, Don't love the world, nor the things the world offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What's God saying? rejecting the wrong things, receiving the right things, that's what your faith hinges upon. And that alone is what God will uh, need to really prove himself within your life. You rejecting the fallen world and receiving the good, the perfect, the well-pleasing will of the Father into our life. So let me just state again, as it relates to this old adage, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Let me just say again, our willingness to prove God's will through the rejection and reception method, rejecting the right things, receiving the right things, proving God's will through that will generate proof that we are who we claim to be. Not just that God is who he claims to be, but that we are who we claim to be. Can I get a better amen? (laughs) Years ago, I heard the story about A meeting of people within the underground church back in the day of communist um, uh, domination over uh, in in the east. um, There was uh, groups of people that would meet in what we refer to as the underground church. They would meet secretly. And they were having one of these meetings. A couple of dozen people gathering together over maybe just four or five pages of the Bible that they had been able to to somehow get their hands on and that they had snuck into this private meeting and they were reading those pages with such love and such honor and such reverence and then they would sing the old hymns of the church and and there they were in that underground secret worship service when all of a sudden the doors burst open and soldiers poured in and at gunpoint they were told you are meeting illegally and you are committing crimes against the communist state And we are under orders tonight to take you under arrest. And here's what you need to know. If you denounce your faith, we'll allow you to walk out this door unharmed. But if you refuse to denounce your faith, you will be executed on the spot. One by one, believers in that gathering stood and denounced their faith and walked out the door. Only a handful were left. And after all of them, had left, and this just handful of believers were there ready to die for their faith. The soldiers shut the door, set down their weapons, and said, Okay, now that all the phonies are gone, let's have real church. Let's have real church. Can I just ask you to consider something with me for just a moment here this morning? God forbid, but if Christianity were made illegal in these United States of America tomorrow, if they begin to take and incarcerate and imprison, and yes, even begin to put to death people who claim the Christian faith, look at me. Would there be enough evidence in mine and your life to find us guilty of what we'd claimed? Would there be enough evidence? Would there be enough proof? Would the proof of the pudding have manifested within our life because we've truly taken God at his word and we're living that life that he's called us to. Real quickly, let me just talk to you for a few minutes here today about the proof of the pudding in this thing we call Christianity. The first thing that I wanna say is that the proof of the pudding is in our obedience. Everybody say obedience. Someone once said obedience is God's love language. We often refer to a a great book written by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. It helps couples to understand that everybody has a certain way they communicate love best. And the way you communicate love best is typically the way you receive love best as well. And so what we encourage couples to do is read that book, find out what your spouse's love language is and begin to learn to speak that language fluently. God has a love language and it's obedience. It's us obeying him. It's us doing what he's told us to do. John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, so many of us here today claim to love God, but listen to what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you'll obey me. (laughs) I think all of us, at some time or another, had a pet that we taught some tricks to, and we could get the pet to sit down or lie down or come to us, but it was all based on reward, right? It was all based on reward. It was based on the treat. They would do the trick if they thought you were going to give them the treat, but if you didn't have a treat, they wouldn't give you the time of day. Anybody had a pet like that? Most of us have. We had a little bird dog out at our place when the kids were coming up named Sophie. When I got this dog, and we taught her all kind of tricks, but she was one of those dogs. If you had the treat, she would do the trick. Otherwise, she would just kind of look at you like, are you kidding me? I had big hopes for this dog because uh, this breed of dog loves the outdoors. They're bred to be outside hunting birds. And, and so I had big plans for her because that, at that time the kids were young and, and we had horses and we would go out on these trail rides. We would ride for miles on the farmland behind where we live And I could just see that little dog coming along with us. And it was so beautiful. And there were little ponds that she could swim in. And I knew she would love it. The problem was my little bird dog would not come when I called her. She wouldn't obey me. If she had the scent of a squirrel or a rabbit or whatever that had her attention, I could call her a thousand times. There was no way she was coming back to me. So, We would go riding off on the trail and she would be left in her little dog run there by herself. You know why? I could not trust her. Jeff, why are you bringing that up this morning? Because there are some of us in this room today that God has more in mind for you than you have experienced, but you've never experienced it because he can't trust you. You don't come when he calls. You don't come when he calls. He can't trust you. God's got so much more in mind for us. If we'll move beyond just the treat for the trick and we'll just simply make obedience our love language to God, the proof will be in the pudding. So here's what I'm saying to you today. Why not try obedience for a while? Maybe you're here and you're even maybe a a little disillusioned with this whole Christian faith. This whole Christianity thing for you, maybe it hasn't worked out like you thought it was going to. Can I just dare you? Why don't you take for a minute and try obeying God and watch God prove himself to you when you start obeying him? Number two, second second proof of the pudding in our study today is our love for one another. Our commitment to the family of God. Our commitment as believers to Being involved and engaged in one another's lives and really doing life together is the proof of the pudding. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Now stop right there for just a second because Jesus could have said a lot of things right there. I mean, Jesus could have said by this, will all men know that you are my disciples by how much you pray. I mean, no, praying is important. He could have said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. By how well you know the word. And how well you apply the word of God. He could have said. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. By how faithful you are to to gatherings like this at church. Or he could have said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. By how many people you share your faith with. And lead to Christ. But that's not what he said. He said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. The proof of the pudding is our love and commitment to each other. Can I just say this? One of the biggest turnoffs for the unchurched is the way Christians fight among each other. We bicker and we brawl with one another. We let the pettiest little things divide us and separate us. When Jesus said he wanted us to be one, as he and the Father are one. I'm waiting on somebody to help me out here today. And the proof of the pudding, church, is that we would come together. You know what the problem is? We would rather be right than righteous. We wanna just, oh, we wanna prove something. We just wanna prove we know what we're talking about and we're right and they're wrong. When the truth is what God's really looking for is real righteousness in our lives demonstrated by the refusal to let our petty differences separate us. But we're going to come together under the blood-stained banner of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be the church he's called us to be. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20. The Bible said, if anyone says I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen, cannot love God whom he's not seen. What's God saying? God said, "Don't tell me you love God whom you've never seen when you can't stand your brother or your sister standing right there in front of you." The proof of the pudding is the love we have for one another. So let me just just let me just dare you today. Now I'm a double dog dare you. Why not try loving? Why not try loving one another? Why not try coming together? Why not try joining a small group, getting to know somebody in the church? Why not try coming out of hiding in the little place you sit every Sunday and you jet in and you jet out and you never even engage at all with somebody else? but you really start coming together with fellow believers and doing life together, why not taste and see the Lord is good with that test? Don't make me come down there and amen myself. Number three, the proof of the pudding is the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know what, what, what happens in your head When you read that, the fruit of the Spirit. But the images that fill my mind are images of apples and pears and bananas and grapes and and all that good stuff. But the the term fruit in Galatians chapter 5, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that that word is evidence. That's the word. The evidence of the Spirit. We claim to be Spirit-filled people. Where's the evidence? We claim to be a (laughs) Spirit... We claim to be a spirit-filled church. Where's the evidence that we are what we claim to be? He said that evidence is going to be love. It's going to be joy. It's going to be peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, patience, self-control. Did I mention patience? Uh, Self-control that that's gonna be the evidence that God's Holy Spirit is abiding within our lives. I heard about a, a guy that was pulled over by a policeman. He, he was asked to see his license and registration. And once he provided the officer with it, the officer went back and got in his car was in his car for quite a while. The guys are sitting there waiting, wondering what in the world? Finally, the officer came back Tapped on the window, handed him his license and registration, said you're free to go. Everything checks out. He said, officer, can you tell me what this is about? I know I wasn't speeding, and obviously there's nothing wrong with my automobile, so can you tell me why you pulled me over? He said, yeah, I was was in the little town you just came through, and I saw when you stopped at the red light and that person cut you off, and I saw how you rolled down your window and you had an obscene gesture and you were yelling and screaming and I happened to look on the back of your car and I saw a bumper sticker that said, I heart Jesus and I figured it must be a stolen car. (laughs) You know what I came to Crossroads to tell us today? You know what I came to tell you watching online today? Let's start living our bumper stickers. Don't just wear the t-shirt, live the t-shirt. Live what it says. Be what it says. I wish I could get some help here. Be what it says we claim to be. The proof, the proof of the pudding is our obedience to God. It's our love for one another. It's the the evidence of the spirit within our lives. And, And next, number four, the proof of the pudding is a willingness to feed the sheep a willingness to feed the sheep. Let let me take just a moment and let me talk to you mature believers here and online. Let me me talk to those of you, you've been at this a while. You're a seasoned believer, man. You've been serving God 10 years, 20 years or, or longer. The proof of the pudding is going to be our willingness to feed the sheep to take on people that are new to faith and bring them under our wing. And here's here's the reality. I know we we, we haven't arrived yet. Even if you've been serving God 40 or 50 years, I know you haven't arrived yet. You haven't learned everything you need to learn. You've not become everything that you need to become, but you're a little bit further down the road than they are. And, And feeding the sheep doesn't mean you're able to get them the whole way they need to one day arrive at but you can at least bring them as far as you've come. And you care enough about them and you care enough about the kingdom to have that as a main focus within your life. Instead of just focusing on you and your own little agenda for life, you're recognizing there's something more important than me and my hobbies and my goals and my ambitions that, that there's a kingdom there's a kingdom that God wants me actively involved in advancing. And the way I do that is to take everything that's been poured into me and I pour it into others. It's called discipleship, a willingness to feed his sheep. And it's the proof of the pudding. Let me, let me, let me demonstrate that it's the proof of the pudding. Simon Peter. His name was Simon And Jesus gave him the name Peter. And and that name meant rock or stability. One you can count on. On the night he was to be arrested, Jesus told his disciples what's going to happen. They're going to arrest me. They're going to falsely accuse me. They're going to crucify me. And you're all going to be scattered. And Peter stood up and he said, not me. Not me. I'm Peter. I'm stability. I'm the one you can count on. And even if everybody else runs off and leaves you, I won't. I'll die for you if I have to. Jesus said, no. He said, Peter, three times, three times before the rooster crows, you will have already denied me this evening. And it happened just like Jesus said it was going to happen. Now, I want to fast forward. To John chapter 21. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus who has paid the price for the sins of the world, come out of the tomb. We're gonna celebrate that next Sunday. Y'all ready? Easter Sunday. Listen, he's come out of the tomb. He's appearing now to those that he loves. He's appearing to his followers. And and once again, he's there on the seashore with them, and they're they're having a fish fry. And um And and as they're eating together, he looks over at Peter, the stable one, the one you can count on, that denied him three times. And here's what he said. He said, Simon, he didn't call him Peter. He said, Simon, son of John, do you really love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then he asked him a second time. Again, Jesus said, Simon. Simon. Doesn't call him Peter. Says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, and feed my sheep. Demonstrate you are Peter. You are the rock that I that I named you. You are stable. You can be counted on that you really do love me by feeding my sheep, by taking care of the young ones, by by pouring yourself into them. It's interesting to me that for all three times that Peter denied him, Jesus gave him another opportunity to confess his love for him and to be the one that he could count on to feed his sheep. I came to church today to just ask you, how many young Christ followers are there out there that are marked with your spiritual DNA? The proof's in the pudding. And our willingness to disciple them, to lead a small group and pour ourselves into them, to engage with them and and make them a part of our circle, our willingness to do that, look at me, everybody look at me. Our refusal to stand here week after week after week and see people stand up and profess faith in Christ and then just leave them on their own to try to do it by themselves. Our refusal to let that happen. But we're gonna take them under our wings and we're gonna feed his sheep. It's the proof of the pudding. And it's what God is looking for. I, 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 I wanna close with this. There was a... Um, there was a guy way back in the day when, when we had the draft for our armed services. You know, typically that, that draft was in place because we could be in, a, in war at any time. We could even be engaged in a number of wars at any time. And so in those days, it was, it was a frequent thing that a young man would be called up to service for his country and he might be engaged to be married. And many, many times the couple would go ahead and move up the date of their wedding and get married before he left to serve his nation. And um, this this had happened to this couple and, and the young lady, right after their honeymoon, she's helping her brand new husband pack his things to go off to war. And as they're packing his suitcase, she pulls out a booklet with sheet music and training on how to play the harmonica and she pulls out a harmonica and she throws it into the suitcase. He said, what's that? what's that? She said, well, I've been doing some research and the place you're being deployed where you're gonna be stationed is known for having very beautiful women, but they're morally very loose women. She said, and you're gonna be tempted. And she said, so when you have time off, instead of hanging out with the loose, beautiful women of that area, I want you to learn how to play this harmonica. He was deployed for months and months and months, finally gets to come home on furlough First thing he wants to do is just take her in his arms, right? And express their love to one another. She said, no, 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 wait, wait. She said, first, let me hear you play that harmonica. <laughs> you know, God, I, I, guys, I, I can't help but believe that God's really interested in how well we can play our harmonica today. How melodious this commitment to our obedience, our love for one another, the fruit of the Spirit, all all of these things really is. It's the proof of the pudding.